0: Morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together and recite together the Apostles Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Hope you all are enjoying your summer so far. Cold as it's been. (laughs) Could snow next week for all we know. Anyway, we're uh, hanging in there best we can. Today we have a special guest with us, uh, Tim Kimmel. I I met Tim uh, some years ago through a a mutual friend, and, uh, and we became good friends, and uh, usually when he's here, I'm not here, so <laughs> it's nice that I was actually here, so this last couple, of, he came a couple of days early, we've been hanging out uh, on the boat, and I took him ATVing up by Dunbar yesterday, so we're screeching through the uh, trails of the, of, of the area, and I look at my rearview mirror, and off in the distance, I see red and white, or red and blue lights flashing, <laughs> and I'm thinking, there's a cop car behind me, and I thought, it's an ATV trail. There's not cop cars on AVT trails. ATV trails were going through, and it kept getting closer. <laughs> I thought, oh, good heavens, and I pull over, and sure enough, this little ATV, with a cop on it, with red lights, and pulls me over. I'm thinking, how's this possible, right? So they pulled him over, pulled me over, and uh, it turns out, I had purchased, they checked. I was legal. I just forgot to stick my sticker on. And how they see that going, you're looking for trouble, right? I don't know where they even came from. So anyway, uh, there's a picture of me uh, getting arrested by the cop. (laughs) 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 They didn't actually arrest me. Tim said, hey, put handcuffs on him. And he took the picture. Yeah, (laughs) wonderful friend. So uh, anyway. So we've been hanging out, just having a good time and, and sharing and just two guys in ministry. He also travels all over the world, with his wife doing couples ministries and stuff as we do. So we just get together and talk and share and talk about ideas and life and death. And at one of our more somber moments, we're talking about our health now that we're a little more aged. And uh, Tim says to me, he says, you know. I don't know if I'll actually make it to be an old man. And I looked at him and said, Tim, you are an old man. (laughs) Would you please welcome my friend, Tim Kimmel.
1: Thank you. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Yes, I'll catch you later. Hmm. Yes, um, I've got to go detox back in Arizona (laughs) after my time with Mark. It's just so amazing to uh, to be with him. I, I sure enjoy my friendship with this man. Um, I was, it was Christmas of the year I was gonna turn 50. I, uh, I had a weak moment. I, I, I don't know what came over me, but I decided I wanted to run a marathon. Never ran one before. I decided to run a mar- marathon. Now, I should have thought of this a little sooner, like 25 years earlier. <laughs> because they don't shorten it just because you're getting older. It's still 26.2 miles, no matter what, what age you sign up. Well, if you're going to run a marathon, how about a, uh, you want to run in a great venue? And I thought, what's well, better than the Big Apple? And so I, I, I downloaded the information about the uh, 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 applying for the New York City Marathon, and I filled it all out, dropped it in the mail on January 1st. Now, The the New York City Marathon happens on the first Sunday in November, but I wouldn't find out whether I was selected until the end of March, 1st of April. But regardless, I knew one way or the other, I got to start putting some miles on my shoes. And so on January 1st, I started running and building up that base. And sure enough, I got selected And in that uh, first weekend of November. Darcy and I got in a couple of days early and enjoyed New York. And then, and then the day of, that Sunday, I went down. Uh, the, the way you do it is you, they have you all gather down around the library there in Manhattan. You get, take the subway or cabs there. They have these buses waiting. They whisk you down to Staten Island, to Fort Wadsworth. It's right at the... Uh, right at the mouth of the harbor, it's an old Revolutionary War um, um, fort, and that's the staging area. And there was about thirty thousand of us. It's very festive and fun, and, and a lot of color and music, and all. And so we're there, and you're there several hours earlier, getting ready. Well, we're, we're, I, I was there, and, and over by the one of these ancient walls this, uh, of, of this fort, I noticed there was a girl, and she had kind of decorated her shoes, and she had some flowers, and he. uh, this guy had on one of those t-shirts that looks like a tuxedo. They'd brought a preacher. They had a couple of their friends there to witness, and the preacher performed a wedding there, and they got married right before they were going to run the marathon, the New York City Marathon. And I thought, this is so cool. We ought to require all couples to do this (laughs) because that's what you just signed up for. And and, and so so they got... Now, now when you sign up for a marathon, they they ask you, "How, how... how long you plan on taking them? What kind of miles are you trying to put down here? So they can group you. And they, yeah, How long is it going to take you to finish? And I put my name. Well, I, I, I was in the same group they were. You know, we were within a couple hundred of each other in numbers. And, and I had a big five-figure digit number on me. All the Kenyans had single-digit numbers. They were up the front. Anyway, so the, 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 the cannon fired. We all took off. And they passed. I mean, they went way out of head. They were much younger than me. And, and all, but, I, but several miles into Brooklyn, I passed him. He was over in the side. They were over in the side. And he was throwing up. He was just hurling. And she was rubbing his head and patting his back, trying to comfort him. I thought, get used to that, man. You're going to do a lot of that. <laughs> Apparently, he celebrated too much in his reception there. And so that we went on. Well, then they passed me again because they're younger than me. And I did not see him, I made my way through Queens, out of Brooklyn into Queens, and, and up through Manhattan, up into the Bronx, and came down back into uh, uh, the, uh, to Central Park. And I still had several miles left, and we're gonna finish at Tavern on the Green in Central Park. Well, About oh, a mile or so shy of, of the finish line, I saw him again. But this time, she was down. He had both of her shoes off, and she had blisters on both feet. And if any of you have done any distance running, you know, blisters mean, you're done. It's over. And I felt so sorry for them. Because, you know, they'd run so hard and so far, and yet there's so much up against us. And with that in mind, I I just I want to talk about this whole dynamic of staying strong and staying close at the heart level in a marriage when there's so much running against us. See, marriage is one of God's great ideas. It's a chance for two people to write a love story, but it's hard work. You just can't pull off a decent marriage with an accidental commitment because love doesn't thrive on cruise control. It just doesn't. I mean, think about it. Uh, Two people come together, they commingle their assets and their liabilities, their common beliefs with their differences of opinion, their mutual goals with their personal agendas, and so it's just inevitable that you're going to struggle on this. Now, my wife, Darcy, uh, knows all about the need for bringing commitment to marriage if you're wanting to write a love story. Um, because I, on my wedding day, I felt I married an angel. A couple months after married to me, I think she felt she married an idiot. Now, when, when, when I say that, I wasn't a bad person. I knew how to work hard, and, and I took responsibility for my mistakes and all this. It's just that I had issues. I had things about it. And when I'm talking about issues, there's things about a person. They're not necessarily bad things. They're just things that just drive you nuts. And they put wear and tear on the relationship. For instance, I'm a I'm kind of guy that likes to go down marked dead-end roads just to make certain they truly lead nowhere. <laughs> I'm a ready-shoot-aim type of guy. I married a ready, aim, 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 (laughs) aim woman. We were going to have some conflict. I I married a woman who had expectations of me that I wasn't aware of till after the fact, and they took me by surprise. (laughs) Uh, Oh, we we weren't married this long, and I'd gone to bed before because I was so tired, and and I had to get up early, and I'd gone to sleep, and, and I was into that... REM coma-like sleep, that guys like to drop in. I mean, I was down in the deep stuff when she finally came to bed, snuggles up next to me. And then I hear her say, did you lock the front door? (laughs) What? Did you lock the front door? It's not difficult, the little thing, turn it towards the jam, It's it's not difficult. My father always used to lock the front doors. We'll call him up and see if he'll come over and lock her. I'm trying to sleep. It was making it hard to write that love story. I brought I, my blue-collar background. I brought a redneck practicality to solving tr- problems to my marriage, which I thought was a was a real treasure. But she many times, when she saw it in action, would just shake her head a lot and roll her eyes. For instance, there was this, uh, we, we, young, early in our marriage, we just had, uh, uh, at this time, just three kids. We ended up with four, but they were, the kids were real young. She went to visit her mother out in Florida and, and, and left me in charge of kids. Now, the one, one problem is I never learned to cook. Uh, and my mother was a great cook, and she loved to cook for us guys. I never learned, and Darcy's a great cook, so I think, great, I don't, but so she had so little confidence in my ability to feed the kids that she had packed all their school lunches before she left, put them in a freezer. So just grab one on your way to school, it'll be thawed by the time you get the lunch. But when dinner time came, I was on, and I was excited about this because I was going to finally cook. And she had got these pre-made meals for me that all you have to do is nuke them in the, in the microwave. And I, on the first night, I see this on this card, it says, get this particular lasagna out of the freezer, a microwave, and feed it to the kids. Now, I should have read more carefully, because she she wrote down a specific one. Well, I opened the freezer. I see lasagna inside of a box. I pulled it out, opened it, and it wouldn't fit in the microwave because our microwave, the big one that comes out our oven range, had been recalled a couple weeks earlier. The manufacturer said, don't use it. It's going to melt your face off. We're going to come and fix it. And so, but we had to stand by which was like half the capacity. The one she had listed would have fit in there. But I had already opened this thing up, so I took the biggest knife out, and I couldn't. I mean, it would brick hard. I could not get that thing. But you know, men love tools of mass destruction. I got something in the garage that can solve this problem. So I went out there. I went out there and I saw my skill saw, perfect. And I put a towel below the workbench, put it over the side and right through it like it was butter. As I did this, The garage door was up, and and it was just after dark, and so the garage door was up, so I'm backlit inside the garage. You can see me from the street. Well, there was a college student in our neighborhood going door-to-door selling magazine subscriptions, and as as the whine of the saw stop, they hear this, sir, sir, may I speak to you? Came walking out, lasagna in this hand, half lasagna, and skill saw in this. Yeah, man, what's up? He looked down at my hands and over my shoulders. Did I just see you saw lasagna in half? (laughs) Yeah, I'm fixing dinner. I mean, that's all the more he wanted to hear from the nut job at this address. Later on, Darcy calls to talk to the kids before they go to bed. First one gets on, second one on, third one, Shiloh, AKA the informer, gets on. Mom, guess what? And that was all it took. And I could just feel her eyes rolling across, and her shaking her head. We have issues, but in spite of the issues we bring to marriage, we're still supposed to be writing a love story through the highs and lows that make up our marriage journey. Now, I I, I want to have them put up something here, but if someone said, what do you think, you know, if you were an outsider looking and just trying to tell me, what's the whole, what are you trying to do in a marriage? I, I would put it this way. The key to having a mutually satisfying marriage is contingent on a couple's ability to maintain passionate and empowering heart connection. Heart connection. I'm not just talking about connected by an address, anybody can do that, or connected by bank accounts, or when things uh, lend themselves to it, connected at the hip. But connected at the heart. But here's the problem. Maintaining heart connection doesn't come naturally to us. And so instead of writing a love story, we can end up unwittingly writing a, a roommate story. Or, or worse, uh, I put up with a lot of disappointment story. Or, or even worse, at least we didn't get divorce story. And yet, we're called to something bigger and better. And I, but there's another thing, not just our issues, which I think many times we bring, that are not necessarily bad things in and of themselves, they just complicate it. There's something else I think we bring to our marriages that make, make it tough. And I think that uh, it, it also make it's also tough to write a love story and maintain heart connection. Because we marry people who are by nature selfish. Now, if it bothers you that you came to church and the preacher said you're a selfish person, then you've got it bad. You do. Listen, we're all selfish. And the people that keep their selfishness under control are the ones that understand and have no problem recognizing that that's a built-in struggle that they have. And yet, in marriage, it tends to accentuate itself. What I want to do here, I want to show you um, uh, some, I, I think we, we, we tend to, don't, we don't realize that we bring lenses with us to marriage, and then we look at our spouse through. And, and the first one is this one, the me lens, the me lens, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Can you all see me? Yeah, you can see me just fine but I'm having a hard time seeing you. You know who I'm looking at? I'm looking at myself. This is mirrored glass, like they use in interrogation rooms, you know, at police stations. And this is, this is an attitude towards a spouse where, where so much of what uh, as you're, as you're viewing them, you're evaluating everything they, they're doing based on how it reflects back on you. This is a person that uses a lot of personal singular pronouns that were supposed to be plural. This person talks about my stuff, my time, my space, my hopes, my dreams, my money, my kids, my need for sex or my lack of it. It can get the best of anybody. Then there's this one here, the love if lens. And this one here, you know, this is tinted glass, so it's a little murkier. I, I could see you somewhat, but it's, it's shadowed. And this is, this is it's not uncommon for this to be a reaction to this one. This is, this is a, a, a type of a brand of love that tends to keep score. And it, 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 it keeps a running tally of how the other person's doing. And they feel like uh, kindness, affection, understanding can be offered, basically are offered on merit, whether you deserve it. And it can be withheld. Kindness can be withheld. And love can be withheld when, when they don't feel that they're getting it in return. But that's not how God deals with you and me. Even though we think that's fine, you know, in in Psalm 103, it's a wonderful psalm. If you want to have some fun, go home and just read the whole psalm and unpack it. It says, "It says in Psalm 103, verse 10, talking about God, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, because if He was dealing with us according to our sin, we'd all be dead, because the wages of sin is death." but he's not dealing with us that way, and he doesn't keep that kind of score. Then there's this one right here, and this is, this is the prettiest one of the bunch. It's the pious lamb. see, it's all kind of stained glass, and isn't it pretty? It's also the most sinister, because this one has a well-worn Bible, a tear-stained prayer list, and a good service record at the church, but this is the kind of person that often uses God or the Bible or spiritual talk to heavy hand the spouse to get them to do what they they selfishly want them to do. I mean, I've seen seen men use aberrations of the Bible and the concept of modesty, which, by the way, the Bible talks about modesty, never defines what it looks like. Never gets specific on it. But guys will go and say, oh, because of that, they won't let their wife wear makeup or, or, or style or hair or be fashionable. I, I've seen both husbands and wives use uh, uh, scripture out of a uh, context to, to, keep, to block the, the, the grandparents from the getting to the grandkids, saying, hey, you're supposed to leave your father and mother and so forth. And there's a zillion ways this can be done. Now, I usually don't have trouble helping people um, uh, understand their self-focus or their self-protection. The one I always struggle with is help convincing people their self-righteousness. Because this stuff goes down deep. But it can get the best of any of us. Now, now here's something you need to know. When Darcy and I got married, we packed all three of these. We had all three at the ready. But we weren't bad people. If you knew us back then, you what a nice couple. Wouldn't they be fun to hang with? We have a decent highlight reel from those early decades of our marriage, but there was something clearly missing. And obviously, these can be done in degrees. We were more mild versions of these, but when you go off the chart, I mean, it's a high-control nightmare you're dealing with. And yet, any of us can find that. Now, the me lens, the love-if lens, and the pious lens share something in common. They're all rooted in our selfish pride. But here's the problem, God's grace doesn't operate in prideful people because selfishness is the antithesis of his heart. James chapter four, verse six, he says, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And humble, best definition I've heard of it, humble is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. But here's the problem, when people like you and me, conscientious Christians that are trying to get it right, realize what we're doing to each other, we still miss the boat, because we tend to try to correct these tendencies in our own power, with our own efforts. To illustrate this, I'd like to invite Darcy to come up with me here. Uh, I met her back in high school, I was smitten by her. Uh, she <laughs> took me five years to convince her of all the untapped potential that was deeply embedded in me. <laughs> But we got married, and uh, we'll celebrate our 45th anniversary in August. Okay, here you go. The (laughs) The hardest part of our demonstration is this part right here. I've got to fill these with air. Okay. Okay, let's say these represent our lives. Let's stand over here a little bit, honey. And um, get a little closer here to me. There you go. Get the light. Boom. Oh, there you go. (laughs) And I'd say, you know what? I'm so tired of looking at Darcy through that selfish me lens and and, 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 and denying her all the respect and honor she deserves.
2: Well, and I'm not happy with what I've been doing with Tim, looking at him through that prideful love-if lens. I mean, he didn't sign up for that, and goodness knows God expects a whole lot better from me.
1: And, you know, I'm a semi-pro at using that the, the spirituality in the Bible to kind of heavy hand her and get my way
2: well I'm no amateur at that myself but I'm gonna change starting right now by trying even harder to do all the right things
1: me too in fact you know that's the key if we would just work harder just we can get there you know what I'm gonna start reading my Bible every day
2: I think I'll start to journal about being a better spiritual partner for Tim
1: and I'm going to join the men's ministry down at church to have those guys kind of hold me accountable for being such a knucklehead.
2: I think I'll try that compliment your spouse thingy three times a day that we learned about at the women's retreat. Okay.
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm going to bring her flowers even when I haven't done something stupid.
2: I'll do my best not to say, is that what you're wearing? Well, clearly, that's what you're wearing.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I can do dishes. I can... I can do laundry. I could vacuum. (laughs) Wow.
2: Good. Um, Well, (laughs) if you can do those things, then I guess I can concede that a monster truck rally could be a date night. After all, we are together.
1: Exactly. And you know what? I'll take those stupid long walks on the beach you like so much, but I don't know why, because no man in his right mind wants to take a long walk on a beach. I mean, what's the (laughs) point? We need a destination, or maybe we could race another couple, or at least time ourselves. But I know it's important to her, even though it's the last thing I'd want to do. But it's, you know, for her, I'll do it, reluctantly, but I'll do it.
2: Can't wait for that long walk on the beach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We were well intended, weren't we? We We're trying to fix this problem, but it still didn't work. Let me ask you a a question. What, What were in those balloons? Who's there? They were were still filled with us. Even when we're trying to get it spiritually right, we still want to do it in our own power. How about this option? (laughs) Slide that around. You see, Jesus knows full well we don't have what it takes to, to take on the struggles that we have in life because it's just bigger than us. Our love has limits. Human love, by nature, is, it, it's, it's, it, it, it cannot, it, it's transactional. It is, it, it, you know. You tend to love people that love you back. And, 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 but, but when something gets in there too big for us, we need someone bigger than us to do it. And, and by the way, I, I, forgive me for relegating him to a can of heat, I'm talking about his spirit. You see, what he wants to fill fill us with with is his spirit. And let me tell you what his spirit, his spirit was there, right there at the beginning of the story, when he said, let there be light. He created us. He has power beyond belief, and he can help us overcome the issues that we deal with. And and because of that, there you go. Got it. You're good. (laughs) It, the, 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 preachers preach all the time about our need to let the Lord have center stage in our life, but we resist it all over the place. And, and all we're trying to say is until that happens, no matter how much we try, heart connection is always going to be tough because when we're doing it on our own steam, even with good intentions, it'll fall short. Darcy, thanks, hon. <laughs> well, Here's the thing. When I talk, you know what we need more than anything else? This is what we need. We need to be looking at our spouse through this lens, the lens of God's grace, his grace. You know, for the record, I see people and they think when their marriage starts to struggle or it gets mediocre or it's just not going away, they think, you know, we need to rekindle our love. I and mean, wait a minute, I was at your wedding. There was plenty of love on board when you guys got married. What makes you think five, 10 years later after you rekindle your love, it's not gonna be deteriorated down? See, for the record, the missing ingredient in most marriages isn't love, it's grace. It's grace. And when I'm talking about grace, I'm I'm talking about giving somebody something they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve. And and I think most Christians don't get grace. I think most Christians uh, either confine grace God's grace to salvation, they don't realize it's supposed to play a center stage role in our life after we're saved. Or they go the other extreme and they create an aberration of grace where they mean, it, turn it into license and you can do whatever you want. That's not what the Bible says. Not at all. God's grace still has boundaries, still has consequence, still has discipline. And yet, it's how we do what we do. And, and this, you know... <sighs> They confine me to just these 30 little minutes and I'm almost out of time. So I want to just try and race to the end here to just say, let me pick one area where I think God's grace, it, 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 I'm going to pick two areas where God's grace can help us. First is, is meeting our spouse's truest needs. Now listen, the, the, the test kitchen for grace of any relationship is marriage. The next one is, is parenting. The hardest pl- the, the, the relationships that need grace the most, marriage, parenting, are the ones that usually get it the least, because it's the hardest, it's the biggest test. It's so easy to be gracious to a total stranger, but, but being up close, and, 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 and probably of marriage, the biggest litmus test is intimacy. And yet, so many couples who are Christians, they get into their intimate life, and, and when, when it comes to sex, it, it's, it's all about control. Or, or seeing it as an obligation, well, it's February 18th, I promise you, every year, you know, come on. Or they demand it. You, you don't demand something that's supposed to be given in return. You don't or they deny it. It's just not for me. Doesn't do anything for me. Well, but that, you know, both of you need to read a book here if, you, if that's the case. There's some help on that. But well, some people get that way, and you think, well, hey, you're married. <laughs> This person, cast their, this woman or this man cast their lot with you. They have no other outlet. We need to be there. Well, that's where God's grace comes in because see, God's grace is outwardly focused. In fact, I love this verse, Philippians two, three, and four. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Look into your own interests, not, not to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, a grace-filled marriage helps us maintain a holy desire for our spouse that takes delight in both being needed and in meeting needs. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 7.5, it says don't deprive each other of, of, of your sexual relations, unless you both agree to it for a brief period of time to give yourself the prayer, then come back together so you don't be tempted. See... When, when sexual intimacy is a healthy part of a marriage, it keeps a spouse from having to go around sexually hung, hungry in a world filled with all kinds of sexual junk food. It's everywhere. And there's and, and not just, you know, there's people that can be a temptation. There's, there's stuff. the, the Pornography, it's, it, it's everywhere. It's pandemic. You don't have to go looking for it. It finds you. And both men and women have their forms. Men's is a visual form. Women's is a more a fantasy thing. It's a book they're reading, Fifty Shades of Zip Ties, or whatever it is <laughs> that they're reading. It's the same thing. We need to be there for each other. So what Darcy and I, when we started really understanding the role that Grace wanted to play, and how would this fit into our, our married life? And, and by the way, we write all about this in the book, Grace-Filled Marriage. It's out there. And if you want to know about relationships within the family, With the kids, grace-based parenting is out there. And if you want to know how it really shows up in the hardest part of parenting, and that's discipline, grace-based discipline is out there for you, too. So we were talking about, you know, because sometimes one person's need isn't there at the same time the other's, or inclination, or whatever. And you don't want to be walking around on eggshells. So we, Darcy coined the expression, he said, how about we practice this? Let's practice what we call uh, convenience store sex, now, she wasn't meaning like we have sex at the convenience store. That's not what she was talking about. It's just, why do we call them convenience stores? They're always there. They're always open. You find out you're having company in the morning and you don't have any eggs. You go over there at 11 o'clock midnight. You can buy it. Or the kid gets sick at night or needs some diapers. You go over there. It's always there. And we said, let's just be there for each other. And, 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 but, but, but nothing I said gives license to a sexual predator or a sexual addict. Nothing. Because that isn't... That isn't giving, that's taking. But we just want to be there for each other. But we can only do that when God's spirit owns the day. And, and, and when sexual intimacy is a healthy part of marriage, it promotes better physical... This is, this is statistical stuff. It just promotes better physical, emotional health and sets so you up to live a fuller and more joyful life. Here's some basic things it does. When you have an active, robust healthy relationship, intimate intimate relationship. These couples tend to have healthier hearts. They sleep better. They have healthier looking skin. They don't get sick as much. They actually look younger and they live longer. I'm 93. (laughs) She's 89. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The point is, God wants... To give us a gift, and, and it starts with letting His grace have its rightful place. An outwardly focused, something that desires the best of the other person, and, and, and it meets their needs. It sets their hearts free. Let me uh, let me close by uh, reading you a poem that I uh, my, our, when our daughter Karis got married, she was the firstborn. She got married, and uh, she asked if, in the wedding, I would. Uh, do a blessing for her and I was glad to and I was really excited my best man was going to perform the wedding because I wanted as much as possible to be able to sit down and walk her down the aisle and sit there and really enjoy it when you're doing the wedding it's work and so Uh, So I wrote her this thing, and I decided to write her a poem. Now, I can tell you right away, this poem isn't good for two reasons. One is, it's an iambic pentameter. That's the the baby beginning rhythm of poets, and no poet in there that's any good has that rhythm. Plus, I'm still alive. All great poets are dead. But work (laughs) with me, because I was trying... The point I was trying to help her see uh, is that that when God's grace is where it belongs, our marriage, uh, uh, the focus is, is... it is dependent upon God, not on each other. Here's what I said. A good man stands beside you. He longs to trust your heart. He's been loyal to his brother and a fine son from the start. He's everything you prayed for. And he puts my fears at rest. But somewhere past this moment, life will put you to a test. You see, it almost seems too easy in the shrine to vows and rings to think that you will always want to love and do good things. But I've learned life has imposters who can slip into the seams of a love that gets distracted by the lure of earthly themes. And so, please let these father words sink somewhere deep inside. And pray they hold you vigilant, should life toy with your pride, for somewhere in the future, who knows just when or where. These fickle friends will call your bluff and test how much you care. Suppose you find the gifts you've honed and polished through the years, Become a source of marvel and looked up to by your peers, regardless of the headlines or the stars beside your name. Please keep your arms around this man and love him more than fame. And should your life be blessed with far more goods than you can count, like Midas, with his golden touch success silver fount, you may be so inclined to put your heart in money's health. Don't do it, my sweet daughter. Love this man more than wealth. And you might just find that through the years, your home becomes a place that turns each soul that visits you into a well-known face. A home filled with contagious joy that causes hearts to blend and all that fun. Don't fail to love this man far more than friends. And sometimes in the clutter and the hurry of the day, the worst might get the best of you and make you want to say that you're tired of all the pressures. You're weary of love's test. Just keep your your hand clenched tightly in his and love him more. rest and what if by divine design you're called to some great cause some noble goal or effort that can haunt with fear or pause and should it all require a peek into the throat of death just hold this man with all you've got and love him more than breath oh please dear daughter love this man yet do not think this odd be careful that no matter what you love him less than God. For in the shadow of the cross, in spite of second place, he'll know, he'll see his heart secure by the peace on your sweet face. The greatest gift you give as wife is loving Christ above your life. And so, I bid you now to bless. Go love him more and love him less. When Christ has its rightful, when he has his rightful place in our life, his grace becomes the default mode, and when, when that happens, it's amazing how we can finish what we started. I, f- I crossed the finish line at Tavern on the Green in the New York City Marathon. You know, they, they put a medal around your neck, and they hand you lunch, and they wrap you up in a space blanket because the temperature's a lot lower when you finish than where you usually started, and... <laughs> And I was, I was in desperate need of some sugar. Uh, I was almost hypoglycemic. And, and, and I, I saw there was an apple in there. And so I thought, I'm just going to sit down there and curb and eat this apple. Because Darcy was waiting for me out on Central Park West. And that was like another marathon away. And, and so I'm just sitting there. And I'm eating, trying to get some energy. And meanwhile, just people just kept coming across the finish line. Just coming, coming, coming. And I'm, watching, and I'm looking and I saw them making their way. But, but he, he had his arm, her arms, and he was just kind of helping her in, and they were working in, and the last part, he kind of lifted her a little bit, put her on his hip, and he, he kind of came across the finish line together. And they put the medals on their neck, and they wrapped the space blankets around him. And, and then I saw him just kind of go over and disappear to the left. into the. And, and so I, I got, a, got, got up and stiffly, I wanted to go see what it was, and I went down there to look, and looked, they and were, they were just laying on the grass, they are just holding each other so closely like they were asleep. Like, you have no idea the story you just told me, but you see that's what it. We're up against a lot, but God says I can help you bring this in together. And that's my that's my that's my message for you today. Let God's grace take its rightful place in your life, and watch what happens through that. The, in, the more you're intimate in your relationship with Him, the more He changes everything in these dynamics of family, marriage, and friends. God bless you all. Thanks.